Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. We've got uh, the beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable in studio. Power panel today is, of course, Rebecca Maxwell, Haney, and Rosemary, and Michelle Myers-Berg. So we've got Rosie is, of course, the steady, regular. Rosie, (laughs) you're you're the anchor in this. Am I? Oh, my goodness. I kind of like that title. Do you? I I think I'll (laughs) take it. I think I'll take it. You've been so helpful. in. um, in... She's got an anchor tattoo. Right. She doesn't want to talk about (laughs) it, but it's, yeah. Oh, it's on my bicep. I just feel like like Popeye Popeye all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to probably continue letting listeners dictate what it is you'd like us to talk about. We were talking on Guy Talk about the fact it's Halloween and, um, you know, there's people with a lot of different opinions as to how it should or should not be Mm -hmm. um, treated in terms of do you let your kids go out and trick or treat? Do you, you know, what do you do? And a lot of listeners came up with some very creative ideas in the last hour. Um, So I found that very interesting. Everybody said it's a great opportunity to, you know, share the love of Jesus with people. Just be careful that you don't, you know, it's a fine line between evil and good, holy and unholy. So... That's so very well-spoken, truly. Oh, yeah, it is. And I think, too, don't you guys, I have a personal aversion to darkness and evil and being scared for fun's sake. Mm -hmm. So there's that personal thing that, oh, I just don't like it. (laughs) You know, like I don't like (laughs) all those scary faces and all that kind of stuff because I don't like to be scared. Um, And then there's the Christian aspect of are we participating in something that is not of God? Uh, See, and I just think about the candy. (laughs) I had a whole conversation with a friend. We were laughing so hard about the candy. She said, I'm just just turning off the lights. And I I was thinking, oh, is it because you don't want people to have the wrong testimony? You know, you get the wrong. She said, no, it's, I I just can't, I can't, my butt can't handle any more candy. (laughs) I was like, okay. Okay, so truth be told, Gary had to buy the candy, and he was not allowed to take it out of his car. And I... I am very happy that I will miss an hour of Halloween to be, by the time so the show is over yes. and to get home because yeah. of the candy. I know, just radiating from the sugar with a big chocolate ring around my <laughs> lips, yeah. you know, come to the door. That's scary. That's well, a scary sight. Yeah. A, a listener said, I thought this was very clever. Uh, she said, how often do you have an oppor- Do you have people coming to your door and mm-hmm. you can give them whatever you want? It's true. Good point. Yeah. It's very true. It's very well, we point. did, We growing up, we did the trying to balance everything because we did want our boys to enjoy the neighborhood and the fun and the mm-hmm. festivities. And But we used to carve um, Christian symbols in our pumpkins. Oh, that's Like great. a cross or Jesus loves you. And mm-hmm. so we just felt like it was an opportunity for other people in the neighborhood to know that we were a house that believes in the Lord and that they were welcome. And so... Yeah, Yeah, very clever and creative. Let's take a little break. We'll reset with the ladies of the roundtable. We'll be right back. What's it all for? The months of planting and fertilizing and, of course, praying for rain. It's all for the harvest when you reap the rewards of all you've been working for. For over 70 years, friends like you have been planting seeds through the Ministry of Faith Radio, and there's been a harvest of changed lives. But today, more than ever, the soil is ready. Will you meet us in the field? 
Find out how you can be part of the effort at MyFaithRadio.com. Pointing to our source of hope. Jesus is our firm foundation and hope for the future. Faith Radio. Lord have All right, we're back with the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Round Table, Rebecca, Rosie, Michelle. So... We're talking a little bit about Halloween. I don't think we're going to stay on this too long, but you had a great illustration during the break. Rebecca, do share. I'm sure I've heard it at church somewhere between Sunday schools when I was growing up, but about how um, our relationship with Jesus is like a pumpkin um, because we're just sort of rolling around on the ground, not much value. And he sees us in the field. He picks us up. He cleans us off. He scoops out all the junk that's inside and he puts his image on us, and then lets his light shine through for all the world to see. He puts his light in us mm-hmm. and allows it to, to shine through so people can see it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like it. It's like just it. worth thinking about. That's a good one. Yeah. It is good. Now, two out of the three guests in the studio have moved in the last three months. Wow. And Michelle, how many years okay. are you in your house? Uh, we were in the house that we were last in uh, for 20 years and then mm-hmm. across the street from where we lived for five. So we were 25 years in, on the same block. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca, you moved this week. Yes. So talk about a little bit how what it's like because, you know, women are, in particular are much more nesters than men are, right? I'm listening to Bill. Okay. <laughs> because we have downsizing, Gary and I, in our future, so mm-hmm. I'm like So you're paying attention carefully. To Michelle, yes. Yeah. So what is I'm it like to uproot and move wisdom. after 25 years, Michelle? Well, you know, that is, uh, I was just talking to a, a, a friend of mine about it today, that it was a really, it was unexpectedly uh, difficult in, in a way, and in, in, in ways that I never imagined. And part of it was, of course, you know, you're curating five lives trying to figure out what do we keep, what do we give away, who do we give it away to, things that I thought that my children would want, you know, and they'd be like, I'm not going to take that set of dishes. Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? And it was like, what? These were my wedding t-. You know what I mean? Just, you know, and then and then also um, uh, just having to be uh, just the sort of the ruthless de-junking that you have to do. Mm-hmm. I'm very sentimental, right? So I'm I'm hanging on the macaroni art from, you know, uh, 1992 and Aww. it's like no you have to let that go so so that was really hard and um and then and then just getting the house ready was i mean uh, at least 12 hours a day of just manual mm-hmm. labor i'm not i'm not exaggerating and and <laughs> you're nodding oh yeah rebecca's nodding so then and then just the idea of uh of putting things um a third of your household in pods and moving it off and then and then uh, putting stuff in storage and then and then getting it back and, and just all of the uh, physical energy that mm-hmm. was required uh, beyond the emotional energy. It was a lot. Yeah. And so it was a very, I want to say, a bruising experience. Um, and, it, and it required a level of strength that I don't know that I would ever be able to do it again. Like, I, I hate to say it this way, but my sister said the last time she moved, it's like 
they're going to have to carry me out in a box after <laughs> after this last move. I'm done. I'm just yeah. done because it's hard. It's but you, really hard. You basically have to make your house look like you don't live in it. Exactly. <laughs> and they yeah, want you to. How does that work? Possibility. Well, they, they want you to make it neutral, right? Sure. And, and they t- you have to take off uh, family photographs and whatever else. And you look around, and your last memory of the house that's been so again sentimental so dear to you for so many years it's suddenly like you're a visitor in that house like Mm -hmm. it's not your house anymore so that's a little disconcerting as well but in some ways it it may be in fairness may be kind of a good stair step to get you ready for the fact that you are leaving that place Mm -hmm. that's true and and i think for us just because we've got a growing family it's very boisterous in our house and (laughs) Mm -hmm. nothing is ever completely clean like ever and i just have to let that go that's going to be what it is um but it's it's fascinating to look at how much stuff you accumulate i'm that same type of sentimental as well i like to keep the little drawings and everything um so i'm trying to hang on to some of that at least for a little while But it made me realize how much of me my stuff takes up. Mm. And what I mean by that is that everything that we own takes a part of you to care for, to curate, to repair, to think about, to find a spot for. And so you're spending you and your time for everything that you own. And while I'm by no means a minimalist now, I was thinking, you know, is is this thing worth the amount of space and time and thought and value that I have to put into it Amen. in order for it to be in my life? Yeah. And should, could I be spending that time on something else because we only have a certain amount of time? And I was kind of thinking about it from the perspective of like when you read about the Old Testament patriarchs mm-hmm. and, and how nomadic people like Abraham actually had to be. And, and their dream, it, it, not to glorify that the only way you can be holy is by living in a tent and moving every... They had a months. lot of tents, so Rebecca. <laughs> they did. They, they had did. They lot, had a lot of tents. Many tents, many flocks. <laughs> right. So right. I'm sure Sarah and Rebecca and Leah had to move an awful lot in their time too. But they longed for that home, for mm-hmm. that permanent home. And that was God's promise for them, mm-hmm. that permanent home. And so... I've come to the conclusion that we need to make this home really nice and welcoming and wonderful, but that it's not our permanent home. And so maybe taking that kind of eternal approach will help me let go <laughs> of some of the things I've been clinging to. You know, I have a friend who's, uh, um, you, know, you know, is a military brat, as, as she would say. And uh, she talked about the fact that they could move anybody on the, you know, on the post uh, anywhere you know, like these guys were like they'd leave cigarettes in the ashtray. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like anything you had, a crust of bread on a plate, they would pack that and then, you know, you know, send it off. And and that they had to be ready to move at any given moment. And they had like they were they were so used to it moving around um, that they it was very, uh, you know, I want to say systematic, you know, in terms of how they did it. But they learned not to be too terribly attached to where they were. Uh, from a from a you know a temporal level, and they had they had that sense of of readiness mm-hmm. mentally. Like I can't get too you know used to sitting in this spot because I know I'm going to be moved at some point. You know, so for I the have mission. a question. Yeah, for the good of the mission. Right. That's right. So yeah. I have a question, Michelle. You've raised your children, and so you're looking at that move with understanding that your kids don't want a lot of the things that you held on dear to. That you know were paintings, literally of of your life and your memories, what advice, as I am preparing to downsize, as Gary and I are preparing to downsize in three, four years, 
would you give myself and Rebecca, as she has her little ones, you know, how what is important to keep, in your opinion, as you've had to let it all go? Boy, that's a really good question. I think I, I had, um, and I thought this was a good uh, technique, um, at a at a certain point, my sister suggested that I get a three-ring binder and get those plastic, uh, you know, they're closed on three sides and open on one, those pockets, you pa- know. Plastic sheeting. Yeah, yeah, the plastic. And to put those into the binder, and every time I really had something that I cherished that I thought that they might like, to stick it into, you know, the three-ring binder over the course of the school year or whatever else, and then to put those away in a banker's box and then they would have that, you know, those boxes would be at the ready for them to take, you know, and already, you know, and then they can sort through that and say, yes, I need this or no, I don't. But I think I think the um, the big deal is is also what you alluded to earlier, Rebecca, is is like, do I really need this? Mm-hmm. Everything you bring into your life and to, you know, and, and when people say, hey, I have some extra whatever and I thought of you, and do you want this? And to be really circumspect and to say, do I, do I really need this? I mean, and the amount of stewardship, the amount of energy that it takes to Good try word. and mm-hmm. really evaluate it and be active, more active on the receiving end uh, as much as anything else. Hmm. I, that's what I, I would say. Good wisdom. It's great. Let me take a little break. We'll come back uh, with more of the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable. We'll take any questions or concerns or anything you'd like us to discuss, let us know. 877-933-2484. Welcome back to the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable. Rebecca, Rosie, Michelle. We're chatting about moving Two of the queens have moved in the last uh, year, and Michelle was living in the same neighborhood for 25 years. And Michelle, I was just wondering when you're sort of dismantling the house, and you're you say you're nostalgic. So I'm thinking of you in various rooms with your children as they're growing up, and you're seeing experiences that you've had with them, or you see uh, your husband Raymond bringing in the Christmas tree. And you start to see all of this and you realize that all those memories in this sacred space will no longer exist. <laughs> that is such a great observation because, yes, that's exactly right. And and that so much of what I interface with um, as far as just, you know, this pair of little shoes or this sweater or this piece of artwork or whatever, it's like a kick in the gut. You know, there are things that you put away in the cherished box and... And it's the proverbial Pandora's box when you open it back up to move and you see it for the first time in years and it's like, oh my goodness. And you just, it's, it, it's very overwhelming. And uh, so you do um, a lot of active grieving that way. And I think the other thing is, is that to, to remember that you will never lose those memories, you know, that you are, but those temporal items that are sense memories, are, you have to let go of mm-hmm. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You just do. And don't you think that the Lord opens up new spaces? Yes. You know, when you let go of those things, you didn't realize that they were weights. But when you let go of those things, my mom um, had 10 kids. I'm one of 10. And she kept these beautiful boxes or uh, pieces of art for us. And, and I actually had this big folder. And um, she kept all of my art pro- projects. I was very uh, artistic as a ki- child. I liked crafts. And so I had a very large memory box. And 
when she gave it to me, I was so thankful because it reminded me of who I was as a child. It, it, it had a purpose. But then as I kept on moving it from room to room to room, it became heavy. And I thought, okay, my boys love me, but they're never going to care about this picture of this painted flower when I was in kindergarten that <laughs> I remembered personally. And when I threw it all away, I was so thankful that my mom kept it. But then when I threw it all away, I was so free. You know, it just felt like a weight that I didn't have to carry that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just, that, it's interesting, our ties to the past. It's, I think it's fascinating to think about the inner life versus the outer life and how they connect. Like, what do we think that means? You said, Rebecca, on, on break that the scriptures, go ahead and say it because I think it's great. Oh, um, which one was I saying? The Mary, Mary, Mary treasure. Mary oh, treasures. yes. These things yes. in her heart. There's the verse that says, and I'll try to find the reference, that um, looking at Jesus' miracles and what he was doing, and that some people didn't understand what was mm-hmm. happening or were judging him as unrighteous. And it says, and Mary treasured these things in her heart. And I think that is what we do mm-hmm. as as moms or as ladies specifically. That's what we do. We become kind of this catalog of our life experiences, of watching our kids grow, of the good and the bad and the, the bad hair days and the ugliness. And we become those those types of memory. We internalize. Mm-hmm. We're like the those family memories. historian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, our children don't know that they're going through those stages, but we remember those stages and, and we're watching them unfold and blossom right before our eyes. But we're the ones that bring up, remember, you've always loved this. Mm-hmm. I remember when you were two and you loved this. And so it's, we're affirming them through our memories. It's, we have a very important role as women and as men too. I just think women tend to be so much more relational and so much more tied to the emotion of what took place within those memories that we later relate. I think about, too, the the fact that um, a lot of times when kids reach a certain age, they get really frustrated if you try to put them back in time. And it's like, hey, I'm a grown man. You know what I mean? Like, get on board with that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Get out, you know. But but I can't, it's like you can't eradicate, you know, the, the, you know, and nor, nor should you, but, but they, they, they sometimes feel invalidated by that. And, and you're right. I mean, we have the whole story, you know, and that we've experienced in a way that is really unique. Um, but Bill, you know, we were talking, you know, you mentioned earlier, I mean, we were talking about the idea of like also when you have to, um, you know, uh, break down your parents' home, you know, mm-hmm. when they're sick. And, and uh, when my mom was in hospice, um, I remember my sisters and I went over and did that. And it was also really, really hard. And she had done an amazing job of, of you know, sort of teeing up to that because she sort of anticipated it. But it was still, I mean, that's an, another, you know, version of that, I think, of, mm-hmm. you know. It's hard to think you'll never be able to walk into that space that she once occupied because mm-hmm. the house gets sold and it's gone and you don't ever get back into that space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just me being nostalgic, I suppose. No, it's true. It is I mean, true. It's, you yeah. know. I think it's why we all go back to Israel. I mean, there's so many of us that want to go to Israel to see the cave that Jesus was in. You know, we have this tie to where we have been as humans and where our feet walked and where we laid down our head and all the emotions that are around that. And yet I think that Rebecca said it so perfectly is that this is all temporal. You know, our our forever home is eternity with Christ, and that's where we started. And I think that's also the longing of why we 
come to our knees and pray and want relationship with him is because we are longing for that home, you know, at some sort of our level with him, whether we're conscious of that or not. But we are longing for that relationship to go back to our, our Father in heaven. So what's it like getting transplanted into a new neighborhood? Now, Michelle, you were 25 years in one area. Now you're in a new location. What's it like with neighbors and and making friends? That's a great question. Rosie and I were talking uh, before we came in, and I was saying to her, and it it turns out that we are in the same place. I know. I'm like, I'm your new neighbor friend. It's like, what? We're in Bloomington together. How great is that? But, um, you know, we were totally looking at the East Metro, and uh, because we thought, because, you know, we were in the East Metro for so long, um, and I was doing a show at the same theater for six months in a row. When does that happen? Never. Within a half a mile of where we ended up. Wow. I mean, it, so it seemed completely providential. Like it was totally the Lord's doing. And um, and I would sometimes, as I was driving down Normandale Boulevard, I would think, I wonder what that neighbor, if, is there a neighborhood back there? What does it look like? Because, <laughs> I mean, it was just going on the main roads, right? But I, the more I, I was in the area, the more I looked around and went, what a cool place. I mean, look at all these, you know, parks and, you know, and so uh, it was probably one of the only uh, a place. I mean, there was one of, you know, two places that we were looking in the West Metro and that's where we ended up. So uh, it was a surprise. And, and we have yet to really get to know our yeah. neighbors very well, but we, we love that it is so residential, mm-hmm. you know. Bloomington's going to give you a little stipend for all that <laughs> favorable <laughs> press that you're giving our sweet Bloomington. Yeah. It's full of parks, so. Yeah. I'll just add my two cents. So, and Rebecca, you moved this week, so... We did. I assume you've met no neighbors yet. No neighbors, Yeah, no. you moved, like, what, um, Tuesday? We met the deer. There's, There's a lot, lot of deer, deer. Because we is... moved out into the country. Oh, you and, did. Yes, we You're did. Forest Lake. So, it, it's a beautiful area, and especially this time of year, because you had all the trees, and it's a sure. beautiful year for leaves up here, and uh, there are a good many deer. I have heard there are also bear in the neighborhood. Really? At Ooh. least one wow. black bear that is seen from time to time who really likes birdseed. So, so just no be aware. birdseed for you. Apparently he makes off with like whole barrels of birdseed at nice. a time. Nice. Or down the road. Either that or your, or your charcoal grill, you know. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah, so now I'm I'm accepting all kinds of suggestions for how to deal with wildlife <laughs> at our house. But it's a gorgeous house and the property owners live directly across the road from us. Oh. And the way they acquired the house was their home of many years. Um, great, great people. Their home of many years uh, had a fire. So they bought the property directly across and just spent their time fixing up the old house oh and the new house at the same time. So now they're renting out what was their home during that time. Just kind of an interesting story. Good people. Uh, landlords right across the street if we need anything. And many deer in our backyard That's every story. morning. Wonderful. That's a good story. We're going to take a little break if you have... Uh, something you'd like us to discuss, let us know. Maybe you've gone through a a very difficult move and you'd like uh, to ask a question or get some counsel. I bet we'd do that for you. Let us know, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Enjoying the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable, Rebecca, Rosie, Michelle. So we're chatting about anything and everything. I got a bunch of texts coming in, so I'm trying to go through these here real quick. Here's a listener that says, I got into a little trouble a little while ago, lost my job, and really struggled financially, still am, honestly, and really started looking internally and who I was and what I believe. I have no doubts that this world was created, but the idea of believing without proof is killing me. And to my fault, I do find any hole I can instead of finding the parts with no holes. So he's looking for holes to poke. It's such an honest... It is honest. An honest request to talk about that topic. It reminds me, of course, of... uh, uh, I think immediately of Thomas, who, the way he was wired... You know, Jesus didn't shame him for saying, hey, I, you know, unless I put my hands into the holes, I'm not going to believe it. he was a censor by what some people's criteria today would be on those, you know, tests that they mm-hmm. give you to sh- show you how you're put together. And I, I understand that because I'm wired that way. Um, but uh, and so, you know, and he invited instead, he invited um, Thomas to touch, you know, him and say, come and investigate. He, you know, the truth bears scrutiny. So I think that to a certain degree that God says, yes, go ahead, ask, seek, ask, knock, you know, you will find. But on the other hand, there's the other scripture that says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the reason is, and anybody who knows me um, has heard me use this example a million times. So I, if I've shared it before, you know, in your, in my earshot, just, I apologize in advance, but it's the one where Augustine is, um, is trying, walking down a beach and he's trying to understand all that God is and, um, and he's struggling to, to figure it out. And, and in the meantime, um, he's, uh, have you heard this one, you guys before he's got this, there's a little boy he's watching on the beach and he's like, you know, uh, this little boy is running back and forth to the water with a shell, and he's uh, got a hole that he's pouring the water into. And Augustine says to him, little boy, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm going to put the ocean in my hole. And, of course, Augustine started laughing because he realized his desire to understand all that God was uh, and requiring that was was like him trying to put the ocean into his little hole. Because if God is, (laughs) you know, everything and all powerful and omnipotent and you know whatever that the idea that we could try and and you know have all the information we needed to to go there is a problem that's why without faith it's impossible to please god that we can't we must have faith because he is way beyond our finite comprehension and i think too the bible is full of crises of faith Moses had a crisis of faith. Yes. Job had a crisis of faith. Jonah had a crisis David. of faith. You are in extremely good company. Billy Graham had a crisis of faith mm-hmm. when his contemporaries were questioning whether the scriptures were true. And, and he came out of the woods, you know, wrestling with the Lord as the story goes and finally just said, okay, Lord, I will believe you on faith and faith alone. Yeah. And then his ministry exploded. So I think... I think that's why this is so honest and transparent is that if we were all truthful in our own selves, we have struggled with that. And at some point it comes down to the character of God because there are people starving. You know, there are people dying of illness and he's our healer. And so it comes down to who is God as a character and do you believe his capacity for unconditional love? And then 
it kind of goes from there because there's so many things that we don't understand. And like Augustine, trying to put God into the ocean, into a hole is like mm-hmm. impossible. Right, exactly. When I think that a mind outside this world created this world, that's about all I need to think about. Yeah. I mean, how can I try to figure that mind out? I mm-hmm. was created in this world and a mind outside this world created it. Right. So. And, mm-hmm. the fa- and the fact that we live in a fallen world, you know, is another aspect too. you know, that we think that, you know, that we aren't going to suffer. Well, God suffers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, Jesus yeah. wept the shortest sentence in the Bible, right? That's true. And I, I think that's part of the seeking I think there are things that are uncertain and that we do live by faith and we are justified in that living by faith. Um, You just mentioned, Michelle, that it is impossible without faith. It's impossible to please him for you must believe it it lists two things in that verse in Hebrews. Believe that God exists Mm -hmm. and that he will reward those who diligently seek him. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that there it, it, it. does seem to imply that there's work involved in that, that our response is to diligently seek him, to seek to please him. Who is he? What is he about? How do I fit into all this? All of those are good questions to ask. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're outside of the club or something. Mm -hmm. We are diligently seeking God. That's what we want to do. And in the book of Acts, it says that God created the whole race of mankind from Adam and Eve, and then he put us into tribes and nations, and he appoints the boundaries of these nations, and he basically crafts all of human history for one purpose, so that men would seek him and find him, for he is not far from any one of us. So the fact that you are seeking those answers, I, I would say that's the good part, and you recognize that sometimes maybe you're a little more attracted or tempted to finding what's wrong with that explanation or fault finding. Yes, absolutely. Test these things that pursue these questions, but recognize that these are questions you're asking because God wants to be near to you. He wants you to draw near to him. That's the reason that we're here. And he is drawing you near to him by even having the questions being on the front of your mind. Exactly, He's the one putting those desires in your heart according to scripture. That's the beautiful part of it is he draws us to him all the time, even in our doubt, even in our questions. It's beautiful. Ask him. Well, and then I, you know, it comes to mind too, just in, uh, you know, the, of course, nobody wants to ignore the fact that this person has great needs. And, you know, when you have great needs and, and you are suffering, um, it, it makes, you know, it, it, the temptation is only to seek God's hand mm-hmm. uh, and it makes it much harder to seek his face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to just really, uh, uh, and I love, the, I love that the Lord said that David was a man after my own heart. You know, the idea that that even in his worst case scenarios, when he is isolated, when his life is at stake, you know, and he's had attempts on his life, that he's still trying to understand the character of God. Who, mm-hmm. who are you? And and so so celebrate that that those questions from that standpoint that you're searching, you know, that you that you have the tenacity to to continue that search. You know, I think that's great. Well, and from a, a different perspective, too, um, the the caller, the person who texted, talks about um, perhaps, you know, having some financial mess and that he's still in and and recovering from that. And I think often 
the hardest time for us to accept the love of God is when we don't have our own self-forgiveness, that he loves us in spite of our flaws, and that sometimes to receive that love, you have to appreciate and accept his love. And that often can be, and you have to forgive yourself, that he could love you, even though you might have screwed up in a zillion different ways, because we all do. Mm-hmm. Are you more likely or unlikely to use a Christian cliche. Let me use throw one out here. I'm I'm totally likely to use a cliche. That's what greeting cards are for. For sure. Yeah. Well, it's so hard because my my uh, oldest son Bennett goes, "Mom, you are the classic Christian ease person." I'm like, I I try not to be, but it's so true because when you're steeped in the Word and you're walking with the Lord, you can't help but want to bring that to life. I do think, um, I don't know if this is where you're going, Bill, or not, but I do think it can be a stop for people who are just trying to relate or understand. Um, having too much Christian cliches without explaining what they mean mm-hmm. can make you seem that you are above or that they're never going to be able to get there or understand what you're saying. It, it does feel a little Teflon-like sometimes if somebody's really, you have to really say, well, what does this person really want right now? They just Maybe they just want to be heard, yeah. you know, and, and that's different than just uh, the temptation to throw out a platitude because I'm a word picture person, you know, so so those things, you know, mm-hmm. appeal to me on a certain <laughs> level. Yeah. I wonder if we lose people. So with cliches sometimes, I mean, here's one, for example, a blessing in disguise. I don't know if I even understand what that is. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> what is a, that? Well, I don't know. I always think that it's a, a twist on, um, you know, Genesis fifty twenty, where what uh, the enemy is intended for evil, God will make, he promises to make unto good for the betterment. I always love the second part of this verse for the betterment of others. And so I think that's kind of a twist, like it's a blessing in disguise. God used it for his benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really trite. When people have told me that when I was hurting or suffering, I'm like, yeah, I know. But right now, this is hard, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe that God will turn it. But can you please just listen to me right now that this is hard? Can you be in this space with me? Because I get that this is, he'll, he'll make good out of this. But today at, you know, five o'clock, it hurts. Mm-hmm. What about you, Rebecca? Well, I know, um, kind of walking through the aftermath of some pretty difficult emotions and experiences over yeah. the last summer, um, you, you hear a lot of people who want to comfort and want to strengthen and want to encourage. Mm-hmm. And then I, of course, want to respond in a welcoming way and, and let them know that they're valuable because they, they absolutely are. So I guess if people are afraid to say the wrong thing and so they don't say anything or do anything, maybe that's the wrong response. So I definitely don't want to communicate that those cards or the, the meals that people bring by or just being there. I mean, that matters so much. So maybe that's a part of it. Um, to use Christian cliches, I, I, it's never wrong to be mindful of the words that we use because we are held to account (laughs) to them and we want to be responsible with what we're telling people. I think hopefully we can just have a little more grace with people and understand the intention behind what they say. Like you were mentioning, Bill, that there are times in your life when you look back on the things you said and realize I've learned and grown now and Mm, I really wish I hadn't said that. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thought. And if we can understand that about one another, that 
the intention behind what this person is saying right now, whether or not it's theologically sound exactly, or whether or not they have scripture and verse, they're attempting to comfort me. And I receive that as the beautiful thing that it is. Um, I know I've said things like I've I remember specifically quoting a verse where Jesus was talking about a parable. A, a, yes, a par the parable of the unjust judge, and I um, I gave it an interpretation that was kind of the exact opposite of what it <laughs> meant. And I thought, oh well, this is that th this is saying something else. And and there was a a loving brother that came alongside, and he's like, you know, that verse means exactly the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> And I was embarrassed at the time, but I I learned from that. And now it's like, okay, letting scripture interpret itself is always good. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's a good thing. So I don't know. I mean, if, if I'm relying on my own wisdom to know exactly what to say at really delicate moments, I'm going to fail. Mm -hmm. So more often mm -hmm. than not, I think what I've learned from this whole experience is to really get into God's word. And, and I don't know, hopefully that's changing what I have to say into something that the spirit is active in his word right? The word of God living and active. And I'm relying on that, that the more, I, not that I just throw a verse at people's problems, because exactly what you guys were saying, it that can shut down a conversation or feel like, you know, people, like you're not really interested in listening. So I don't want to do that. But if I can listen first, and then when I'm called upon to speak, I try to stay as faithfully as I can to the word of God as he's revealed it, and that's what I'm trusting right now. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it is um, challenging to say something comforting to someone who is in a place of pain. So I wondered if you just kind of went through the Rolodex in your brain of comforting <laughs> Christian cliches. <laughs> I think I'll roll this one out. This, sure, this, this one should work. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. how many of us have heard um, God only gives you what you can handle? He and never gives you, yeah. Gives you more than you can yeah. handle. And I remember going stuff through stuff with Gary and his illness going, oh, please, please don't say that to me because really this is more than I can handle. It's just not more than he can. Mm -hmm. And I get it. But right yeah. now I, you know, all of my limbs are falling off. I, I'm like, I completely unbuttoned in every aspect of my mm -hmm. life. And it doesn't feel right now like I can handle this. So please walk in it with me. Because I know what the end results will be, but walk in it with me. Get in my mess. Well, I was going to say, and sometimes, you know, those, uh, you know, for me, and it depends on, on um, how you understand the world, too. Like, so I, I was saying earlier, word pictures are really helpful to me in the way I think of things. So, you know, I remember I had a very difficult set of circumstances and my mother-in-law, uh, rest in peace, she said, you know, when when you're standing in front of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is marching down on you, you just stand still and wait for God to part the waters. And it was like, that really helped me. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you realize it's like, well, I there's nothing I can do. There is absolutely, I can't do anything except wait on the Lord. And right. so, and so sometimes when somebody gives you something like that, it is really helpful. But I think I think it does, uh, you know, um, call uh, us to a, a level of, of being in the moment and saying, who am I talking to? How, you know, what mm -hmm. is going on in the world right now? What and is this need? a word in due season or am I, yeah. you know, way out of line with this? Well, and I think it, it brings us back. And I have done this myself to many people, you know, by my own admission, where the desire to help mm -hmm. is so overwhelming versus just the desire to be. 
Yeah. You know, we, we have this need to want to take their pain away or to fix it or to do something because they're hurting and it's in front of us and versus just giving them a hug and saying, I'm just right here with mm-hmm. you. Michelle, it sounds like what your mother-in-law said was so genuine, though, and authentic. That's mm-hmm. what resonates with people. Yeah. Not yeah. the, well, let me grab this cliche and just apply right. this now. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Beautiful and amazing queens of the round table here in studio. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Welcome back. We are talking about everything today, but we've been focusing a little bit early on about um, nesting and getting a new home and pulling up your roots. And now because it's Halloween, I have thrown this out, letting listeners ask questions about it. And if it's um, something we as Christians should pay extra careful attention to because there is a fine line between the holy and the unholy, and we need to be mindful of what tonight is and what today is. And there's a, a listener that said, I'm curious about your thoughts because ex-Satanists warn Christians about Halloween. They want us to take it very seriously. And Michelle, I think you've had an experience with someone from that camp, haven't you? I did. I actually um, used to live in San Francisco and in, in, in the city, and there was a, a ministry uh, that I would go out with on Saturdays, and we would go and help homeless people with um, sleeping bags and clean kits and whatnot, and then we would share the gospel. And there was a guy that uh, was a third knight in the Church of Satan who became a Christian at that point, and I asked him, um, uh, as in subsequent conversations, you know, like how how did you get you know get into that? And he explained to me how he got pulled in, and and um, and it, the, one of the comments he made was he said, yeah, you know, Christians are really, you know, a lot of people are really naive, and we're we're okay, you know, with the fact that they don't know it's the occult for a reason, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But he said, uh, but they're really foolish to think that it's not true. We're highly organized and we're absolutely very intentional about what we do. And I was stunned that, 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 you know, the hierarchy, I'm a third knight in the church of Satan. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. what does that tell you? You know, that it is very structured, but on the, on the other hand, uh, I then became very fear-based in my response and I became very distracted about what they were doing and what was going on, you know, the man behind the curtain and um, and became preoccupied. And then, you know, was constantly sort of looking around the corner for something in that way. And uh, you think about that very simple and lovely little hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look mm-hmm. Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And to me... That's where the focus needs to be. And to understand we in this world, we will always have those things. And you have Christians and people who are messing around with the occult that are both casual or very serious. And for me, I, I just have to say, okay, unless the Lord absolutely makes it my business and my concern, I'm not going to focus on that. That's not what I'm called to do. Uh, I don't think that I'm going to affect a change. That's God's battle. And if he's called me to do battle in a particular way, chances are, no, I'm not even going to say chance. I know that it's usually prayer, uh, supplication, thanksgiving, 
you know, are doing the things that we're all called to do as Christians. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. Here's another comment from a listener. This is really transparent, quite vulnerable. Says maybe it's a difference between men and women, but I don't want someone to just be with me in my situation, I guess. And maybe that's why I don't even know how to be with someone else in their problem, but want to help them somehow. Mm. That's a lot of candor, isn't it? That's a lot of candor. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming this is male. I would assume so, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. So what do you think, Bill, about that? Being the only male at this yeah. table right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm in disagreement with him. If I'm in a problem, I want someone to be with me. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. If you get together with a band of brothers when you're in the midst of turmoil, it's comforting. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, it's, there's a sense of relief. There's a sense of, okay, I'm not in, in this alone. So if he doesn't want someone just with him in his situation, I think he's maybe he's cheating himself out of some great comfort that's available. But but maybe it looks a little different than he thinks, or it could look a little different depending on who you are and what you need in that time. I know when we were going through everything with Gabriel, I was in that hospital room all the time. Like, basically from the time that I could get there in the morning until the time that I could be picked up at night, at least before I could drive after surgery. Um, And I was in the hospital room all the time. And Matt would do as much as he could, but then he had to get away. And he so welcomed either the men from the church or friends, relatives that were able to come and either bring food and they could go and walk and talk for Mm -hmm. a while. Something that didn't have to do with the reality of us in this hospital room and our fears and concerns and not knowing what would happen. So he greatly welcomed people to come in and kind of bring a sense of normalcy. So maybe that is helping. Like you're still, you're coming there to be with that person in their problems. But that doesn't mean that you have to sit down in silence or or cry for two hours. I mean, maybe that's what you need. But maybe they need you to take them out for a burger and talk about the game that has nothing to do with what's going on. Maybe that's what they need. And so it could be doing something. It could be mowing their lawn because they can't be home or they can't do that right now. So there's a lot of practical ways that you can be there for that person. But it, you know, maybe it just looks a little different depending on the situation and what your strengths are. Well, and doesn't it speak to knowing yourself and mm-hmm. also as the friend being in relationship enough to know who is... Matt, for instance, and what does Matt need from me versus what I think we were trying to reach at before, which is just giving them a cliche because it made you feel better. Right. You know, so for this caller or this person who's texting in, I I pray that his friends would know what he needs in his times of anguish or when he's reaching out, just as my friends would know. You know, my friends would know Rosie does need her house cleaned, but... (laughs) Don't do it when she knows that I'm. you're coming over <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because that will drive her crazy. But just have it done and then I won't worry about it. And it's also you know? helpful just to admit what you need. You right. call a friend and say, I'm in a little bit of a funk. I need to go out for a medium price steak tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and can you distract me and tell me exactly. about your life? Or you can you just friends. listen? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, not the high-end high cut stuff. I mean, I'm not talking Murray's, just, here we come. No, I'm the, not saying that. We're, <laughs> doing the, we're doing the Red Lobster. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's why a little bit more like That's it. good. You know, How but, about those rolls at Red Lobster? How about Seriously. that? Woo! 
Um, no, but I, I think, too, that, that you guys bring up a great point about uh, just that what it looks like, you know, in terms of what somebody's needs are. You know, what are those? And then and then what he uh, says, or what, what I don't know, if, again, if it's a male or female, but just the idea that I don't know how to do this because I'm not equipped in this way, that's okay. You know, then there are other things, you know, what's that going to look like for for him to go to bat for somebody else is going to be maybe, okay, I'm taking Bill for a steak, you know, a medium-grade steak somewhere, because that's what, you know, he does well. You know, I mean, we're, it's the parts of the body thing. Everybody has a different, you know, set of skills or, or gifts that they can put to use. Thank you, ladies, for a great hour, and thank you uh, for some of the great uh, input that listeners have given this hour. You always make it uh, so interesting for us, and thank you for... Uh, of just listening and supporting Faith Radio. It's really been great uh, having you in studio, Rosie and Rebecca and Michelle. Thank you, and have a great evening tonight. Are you uh, hosting trick-or-treaters? You know, I am when I get home. candy, yeah. My, my husband's... Gary said he bought six <laughs> bags of candy in his car. I'm yeah. trusting him that they're in there still. They're in better the go still. somewhere. Yeah. It's a big pile of wrappers Not, in the Not, as Michelle seat. said, on my rear end. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not. We're doing a... Because we're so new to the neighborhood. So we're doing a big bonfire in oh, the back... In our nice. giant backyard. Oh, and we're yeah. going to have hot cocoa and it's just lovely. do family night. Yeah. But I did get some extra chocolate just in case people come to the door. Good. And Good I hope the bear doesn't show up tonight. Me too. Don't put it in the bird feeder. Like Have a great it. night. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.